0: Hello and welcome to the Keto Fitness and Everything In Between podcast. Today, Gia and I will be talking about one of those in-between things, which is business. Now, business is something that we are both passionate about, and we're both passionate about helping people start their business journey as well. So within these podcasts, you'll be hearing about startups, getting started, gig economy, and just all these things that you don't really realize until you start a business yourself. So hopefully this will be helpful to you. Hopefully it will inspire you to take your steps into starting your own business um, um if not we hope we can start you know at least be uh, potentially planting the seed for that future idea um so if you love this please leave us a review and if you have any other questions don't hesitate to ask us
1: uh, my attention span has dramatically decreased since like secondary school oh. <laughs> yeah like, i can only listen about
0: like one topic for like so long the thing is as well, so I have you heard of Blinkist? Yeah, yeah, you sent me that before I was going to start, yeah. Literally made my life because I hate reading, purely because there's so much waffle surrounding all the points. Put straight to the point, I'm here for it. <laughs> is, like, and this is what I felt like, I don't understand why I ever
1: like, chose to start blogging, because... I am not that person to be putting in like twenty links per page about completely irrelevant stuff just because I could get like a little bit of couple of couple of pennies from Amazon Associates.
0: Like do you know, I'm I'm kind of trying to start because I've been trying to start for so long. And I think and this is all just like sloth move based stuff. Like I wanna um I wanna get like a lifestyle section on there because like players in the game who are who kind of do little bits and pieces of what we do but none of them are like customer focused and none of them have like a, a lifestyle blog um so i really want to get things on there like decorating houses and like people like shannon like she's going to start her own blog and for her to say this is my experience of moving in this is how, this is my mindset when i'm decorating do you know what i mean like that's the kind of thing that i want to get to oh i love that But yeah i'm not i'm not in any form <laughs>
1: I think probably the biggest question is like, was there kind of like a eureka moment for you starting this? Like, did you realize that then and there, that there was such a gap in the market or was it just that you kind of just fell into it? what,
0: mean, what it was for me? So it was literally a year, just over a year ago, really, I think the idea came and I'd moved home like, of, like three times within as, as many months. And I'd, it was also like the time where I just started to get switched on to how ads, like targeted ads, actually work. And I'd realised that I'd been searching like Zoopla and, you know, moving home, and nothing had targeted me. And I was, I'm doing individual processes, it's taking so long. I'm on the phone for ages as well. Like, there must be something that does this. And just after quick Google, like, online moving home or online change of address, like nothing popped up and I was like there's actually like just the engineer in me I'm like there's definitely a a process for me to do this so yeah that was like my moment (laughs)
1: yeah I mean obviously you know it's been working out for you and I know that a lot of people they have these ideas but they just never know how to like progress with it Mm -hmm. obviously you've, you've been working full time but doing this on the side
0: Yeah, so I think the thing is, so the way that I approached it, so you can have an idea and ideas are great, but ideas are, you know, 10 a penny because everybody has, like, I guarantee everybody has a million dollar idea, but it's all about like acting on it. Um, So there's a little process that I would go through. And I think this applies to almost everyone. If you're going to do like a service or a product based business, um, And there's a really good book to read called The Lean Startup. Um, And it's on Blinkist as well, by the way, so you can (laughs) cut all the waffle out. Um, But basically, like, you need to... um, understand okay so I've got this idea how can I do it and how can I create it in the cheapest possible way and I mean spending literally next to nothing because one of the mistakes that a lot of people make and a lot of people like you see on Dragon's Den as well like they will put thousands and you know all of their life savings into making this idea which they think is you know the next big thing and it actually turns out there's either not a market for it or it already exists or you know, so you've got to try and find what is the cheapest way of doing this. And sometimes it's actually free or something as cheap as making a landing page explaining your idea with a sign up box. So that would be like the first thing is like <clears throat> actually understand, is there a market for this? Like is the, is the solution, is there a problem to the solution that you've thought of, if that makes sense?
1: And also I think it's about whether the market's big enough for you. So you could have this really amazing idea, but if it only applies to like you know a couple of hundred people, how are you going to find? And that's fine if it's a service-based business, um, but if it's not a highly profitable service-based business, you will never be able to make a business out of that that's livable.
0: A hundred percent. And until you make money, like whatever we do, it's just a passion project or a hobby. Like it's got to be making the money for it to be a business. And that's just like, it sounds cutthroat, but that's just, it's just the way it is. And it's like, that's something when I first heard it, I was like, "What?" (laughs) but I'm, you know, this is a really good idea. But then, you know, it, it makes sense because you can't forever be, you know, putting money that's not making anything back at the same time.
1: And I think that's so important to be listening to other people's feedback as well, because obviously, you know, you're the owner of a business and you want to do it a certain way. But if other people are telling you that that won't work, or that won't work in the long run, you can't expect it to work in the long run. Because obviously other people are going to have an input, especially when you're a startup. But it's whether that input is valid and whether it is useful. And whether you want to use it, or you can use it, then you know, you go ahead. But they're probably telling you that for a reason and don't I feel like you should never take it to heart you should be taking it as a review of your business and where can you improve
0: a hundred percent yeah like one of the like um yeah when we first when we first launched sloth move it was like like I say it was like this minimal viable product which was like the cheapest most basic way we could have done it which was like a few third-party websites that made it work. But one of the things that I put in at the end was a required feedback question. And literally based on the feedback that we were getting from that, that's how we tweak the service. And a lot of our early users were from Instagram as well. So I always made sure like to go back to them and ask them how it was um, and built it from there. Like, for, for me, the first year was literally just pummeling through feedback and understanding what is the best customer journey? Like what do people want? What services do people want? Like what, what are the pain points essentially for people that are moving home? And that's that's really important. So one of the things as well that I've definitely learn and I think it's just one of the it's just the way that we've always done it I think because we are we came from like consumers ourselves it's like we we focused on consumer and one of the biggest things and I think the way that you'll be successful in business is enriching your customer like you just need to add value to your customer like find a way to add value to them and focus on that first for sure and I
1: think like one of the biggest commodities right now is time, so if you can possibly save someone time and save them money, then you will be helping them in the long run, and they 'll be wanting your business
0: yeah, a hundred percent like one of the things that we 're keen to do, and this is the way we 're building this is through like um, through blogs like useful blogs is to be like the voice of moving home and the voice of just home, like okay, I need to. You know change my energy supplier okay what does the energy price cap mean what does the stamp tax pause mean so anything kind of like home related or you know and things as well like people that have never moved out like it's a big kind of jump like we want to be there for those people where it's like you know holding their hand these are the expenses that you can expect here's how you can budget here's how you can save all of those all of those things like to be the voice of credibility but i think that's a really big one is is being that credibility
1: yeah, I mean, being a trusted brand is probably one of the biggest things that you can do, especially when you're starting up, because if as soon as you lose that trust, you won't have a business anymore. I mean, or, or the business that you will have is people that are coming from outside, but they haven't experienced that distrust yet. But eventually, everyone will find out. So it's just so important
0: yeah 100% and with how connected everyone is and how easy it is to share I mean it's so difficult to build a brand and to build you know customer loyalty but so and almost within hours that you can you can lose it you can lose it all I mean like cancel culture especially will rip you apart yeah and it and it's brutal and I think in a lot of cases like rightly so oh absolutely yeah a lot of Rightly so, other cases it's like, ah, uh, maybe there's two sides, but it's just the way that it is. Yeah. I mean, I
1: know from my point of view that starting to build a brand, I was very aware of maybe videos that I had. um I mean, we all, we all go through a phase where we're like going on YouTube just to be on YouTube um, when we we're like early teens, and there's probably, th- I'm sure, like, I, I couldn't quote anything, but I'm sure that there's stuff that. I don't want it on the internet anymore. And as much as you try to wipe that away, um, one of the—if something does go wrong—then the most important thing is to show that you're a changed person and show that you can apologise and actually be genuine.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, like, we're all humans. And even though, you know, people expect businesses to be, you know, big corporate machines, like a lot of businesses now are, you know, smaller, small to medium, less corporate focus. And they are just humans at the end of the day that are behind these businesses. So mistakes happen. It's natural. um, And I mean, obviously, like there's so many things put into place with a lot of businesses to prevent that. But, you know, when they do happen like the best thing to do is just to call out and say, hey, look, we've noticed there's a problem here. This is what we've done to fix it. And, you know, this is how it will affect you.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And obviously, like when things happen, so the first thing that people turn to is social media. If they've got a problem and you're not there, like right then, they'll go on Facebook, they'll go on like Trustpilot, um, they'll go on Twitter, like it'll happen. But if you kind of like brush it under the carpet or you know if you just don't answer them and think that ignoring it is the right answer it's not
0: no definitely not and i think as well by not by ignoring it and not having the conversation in the channels that you have access to like you're shutting down the conversation so people will take the comp like people still need to have the conversation so even though it's a difficult can be a difficult conversation to have if something has gone wrong you've got to kind of like face up deal with it and kind of kind of just grit your teeth and go through it as opposed to, like you say, just brushing it under the carpet because that just like rid you of all transparency. Like it removes the transparency and people don't have the opportunity to speak to you directly, which is what they're there for in the first place. So of course they're going to go elsewhere.
1: Especially if it is a slightly bigger brand or... If there's, it's almost like herd negativity. So as soon as something goes wrong, like you you can have small things going wrong, but that can literally just, that that can be fine. You know, it's like small hurdles that you just go over. But as soon as more than one person is unhappy at a time, you're just going to like bring them in because every single thing that happens from then on is going to be analysed 100%.
0: Yeah, it's so easy for it to spiral so easy and this is the thing like any business no matter what size like you've got to be able to own up if there's a problem or something's gone wrong like you've got to figure out what is you know how we're going to deal with it let's put an end to that and you kind of with wh- whoever whichever customers it's affected you've just got to deal with the problem put it right make them happy and then you've got to investigate internally to say right okay why did that go wrong okay how do we put a stop to that like it's just basic troubleshooting because you never want it to anyone else but it's obviously more difficult
1: if you are the face of the brand i know you know for instance like sloth me like is is i'm sure it's like kind of less of a face-to-face brand it's more behind the scenes yeah um yeah. with something like that people don't need that kind of sort of hand holding through the service but yeah i know if, if you are the face of the brand like it's a lot of pressure to kind of keep up that sort of business persona but I mean, as, as we all know, but um, because I know like we've talked a lot about um, some issues with the fitness brand and their owner and their founder. But uh, I think that was more, that's more of like influencer issues rather than actual CEO issues.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what's really interesting? So um, I read, you know, I'm awful for like I read like really good tidbits, but then forget where I've read them. <laughs> so I'm going to start making notes. But basically the company, whatever company... That you start, it will take basically your persona. So if you are a kind, caring, considerate person, your company ethos will mold around the principles. Whereas on the other side, if you're greedy, you don't really care about people, it will mold again. There was like so many studies done on like multiple businesses, and where you could see that, you know, where there were gaps in the company, there were also gaps within the you know the founder of the company and this is talking like smaller companies as well not like oh yeah yeah really really well
1: yeah i mean especially when you are trying to kind of fake that persona i think that's very difficult and at that point you know you should probably think about maybe hiring someone to be more of the face Um because like at the end of the day you can be a ceo and you can be overseeing but you don't have to be the face of the brand
0: Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, look at um, Gymshark, Ben Francis. So he's the founder of it, but he was like, you know, CEO isn't my natural calling, but marketing is and he's you know he smashes the marketing side of things I mean he was the one that got it off the ground and the following and everything so it makes sense and you want to hire people that are better at you than the things that you're not great at
1: yeah yeah exactly and it's kind of figuring out your own weaknesses that makes you a better business owner because if you can work through those flaws then you know you're sorted (laughs)
0: Yeah, 100%. And just, like, in general, like, just having a higher emotional intelligence to be able to, you know, be able to be really self-reflective, to know where you need training, where you need help, what you're not great at. But even, like, in everyday, you know, if you're just in, like... If you can sense your own emotions and moods and be able to communicate those to people as well, like, life is just so much easier.
1: I mean, I did want to kind of touch on about outside help for startups because I know that... We've talked a bit about kind of using more virtual assistants, Fiverr, that kind of thing, rather than stepping into trying to try like kind of bring friends and family on board straight away.
0: A hundred percent. And you know, like I'm not even sure friends and family are always the best way to go as well. Like you hear so many horror stories about bringing friends and family into your business. And like that puts me off a little bit, but so we kind of really um, benefit from this gig economy. So we've used Upwork quite a lot for SEO, like we have like an seo outreach guy who will literally just scour the internet for related blogs and find us posts uh, like find us people that will happily allow us to guest blog um so we have a guy there and you know he's so lovely he's based in bangladesh and like we have a really good you know, relationship anyway. And if there's any like odd bits and bobs, like I had so much like database work to do and admin base work. And he was so happy to do and so happy for the work as well, especially with COVID hitting in, in Bangladesh, like it hit hard. But yeah, I recommend that to anyone because there's every budget you can get on there as well. And typically it's always like I found it better. You have some distance, don't you? You know the work and you. Whereas, yeah. like, if you've got friends and family, you can't do that because it's then all about work. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like what we found as well, like we had quite a bit of development work done because we're obviously quite tech based. Um, we spoke to friends of friends kind of thing who recommended like these different agencies. We got quotes, like the highest quote we had was like 40 K to do some work. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like we're a starter. We're you know, we're just doing this, this, and this. Then we got a more reasonable quote around like 15, 10, 15 K We found a developer on Upwork who did it at a substantially lower cost, like under 10K. And the working relationship has been so awesome. And the work that has come out of it as well. Like, I don't feel like I would have got that from an agency. No. Because, well, when you are working with agencies, like you're always paying for the big leather chair and the, you know, the gym on site and all these other fancy perks. So, yeah, I think I would struggle to use agencies.
1: I mean, consultancy is such a massive markup business because at the end of the day, they're hiring, you know, a lot cheaper employees. And because of that tier structure, you don't know who you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get the person that just started like a month ago, or if you're going to get the person that's been there 10 years. And for you to be paying the same amount, I just, I I don't feel that that is ever going to be kind of an acceptable way for small businesses to work anymore
0: no I do not I don't think so either and one thing to mention as well like when you're working on Upwork like you are you literally have access to people all over the world and you know what seems like an average wage here is incredibly high in other places and obviously like even though that
1: is the case like you're obviously still paying them a fair wage but that is just the
0: difference between you know each country are you paying them more than than you know the average wage for their country whereas it feels like oh my god this is like you know what i mean like not even to sound cheap but obviously like when you are a startup these are the kind of avenues that you need to go down especially if you don't have investment like you don't want to be hemorrhaging money in places that are unnecessary and like I say like I always I find the standard of work so much better and when you're looking for a person to fill the job that you've got or you know the the project like there's so like they have such detailed profiles they answer so many questions and you can see all of their previous work as well so you can see what other clients they have worked for and what they've done and you know it's that individual doing it as well of course and obviously as well like you get to know the person a little bit more and you probably have more
1: flexibility than you would in a bigger company.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like for me personally, like there's three guys that we have. So we've got a developer and he's got an apprentice as well. So there's essentially two developers that we have, our SEO guy, Golam, and then we have a graphic designer. So I found him literally by just searching for really nice sloth graphics and i found one like one of these like royalty free sites anyway i managed to find him on linkedin and i was like hey like i want a logo designing and i love your sloth and that's it He's been on board ever since like (laughs) but these are people as well i can 100% i would bring them on board as well and I, I would love to have that kind of like global, global workforce. Like it just feels right.
1: And also you can pick your, your talent then because if you have such a bigger market of workers, then you're obviously going to have more of a choice and you can be more picky. 100%, 100%
0: have you worked with any agencies or had like experience with big economy?
1: I mean, like I've got some people to do like, a couple of jobs on Fiverr um, and that always worked out really well. And it was just like a couple of like small kind of, like, photo editing things or um, video editing things. But I feel like if I'd, if I'd taken the time to learn all of that, it would not have been as good as if I'd literally just gone on to Fiverr and I'm just like, oh yeah, here's $20. There you go. And the photo's back within like a week. And I'm like, right
0: yeah it's definitely the way to go because as well like time time means you, you know you've got better things you can be putting your time to
1: yeah exactly and obviously you know you have your boyfriend and like i know you guys are doing it together i mean how do you separate that you guys live together and obviously that can be a lot i, I mean i don't know about you but i do struggle to turn off from work sometimes and if something comes into my head i'm always the first one to be putting that idea out regardless of what kind of time it is who i'm with
0: yeah hundred percent I think for the first year as well because we were both both work full-time and both do this on the side for like for the first year I was so burnt out after my first year because at the same time as absolutely loving it like I also didn't really have that much time off from it but more recently there's been a much nicer balance so we have this kind of policy where we'll up at six and start working we have an hour at lunch and then we cut off at around six seven o'clock at night but then we'll go on like a walk but then like when we walk we have strategy meetings but I think because we we love it because like we're really passionate about it like it's not kind of it doesn't feel like we're turned on do you know what I mean like it's not like we're in with the business but the one thing definitely that like I've only done it this week and it was have Sunday off like had Sunday completely off as in no talking about it no doing anything and this week I felt like a Duracell bunny I've been so utterly productive it's unreal and I think I think I struggle to switch off and I don't know if you're the same, like you struggle to switch off because you just think there's so much to do. And, you know, if I'm thinking and doing it, then why not? Like, you know, just get further ahead. But actually taking that time off and away from it makes such a big impact. Like, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: So, So in the past, I actually worked with someone and they were they really struggled with getting their kind of idea across so they liked a lot of things they created their mood board and then as soon as we'd kind of talk about it suggest something and then two weeks later just didn't like it anymore and i think for her like obviously it was a real struggle to try and take a step back and to think that maybe you don't have to be perfect, and regardless of whether you like it, if you liked it at the start, then you're probably going to like it afterwards. It's probably just kind of like a blip that you're just not yeah. you're not loving it because you keep overthinking about it and thinking that what, what others will think.
0: You almost get a creative burnout as well, I think. One of the best pieces of advice, cause I've always been a perfectionist and not wanting to release things until like, I think, cause I always have that as well. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to put that out. What if this, oh, and at the end of the day, like actually people don't notice the little things that you're overthinking about because it's just, just the perfectionist mind, isn't it? <laughs> but it's so difficult to overcome, like so, so difficult. Like I actually, I don't really know what the answer is. Like the only thing I've done is kind of let go and you know there's not been any backlash and I think that's kind of made me ease up.
1: Yeah exactly because if you're constantly thinking about something then you as you said like you're constantly analysing it whether or like whatever you're doing and I know like for myself with social media and trying to remember to post things and trying to remember to do A to Z of what I should be doing but then thinking Mm -hmm. that nothing was good enough. So I didn't want to put anything out or, you know, the thing is it was all about building my brand, but I lost out on that because I was so focused on trying to push out as much content as I could.
0: Yeah. What do you think that was? Do you think it was just too intense? Like, did you have any switch off? So
1: it was fine while I was at uni because I was putting off my uni work to do Instagram stuff. But then as soon as I was in the classic like until five although it wasn't it was more like uh one till ten then I felt like I had no time because it was a retail job as well so I was on my feet all day I've never ever like feel like I wanted to do anything when I got home or and when I wake up and it was just it was a lot I think it was kind of like decision fatigue that I was in a management position and I was having to manage all these people it does it drains you and I kind of wish that I'd just stayed as like the lower like i I, I don't mean lower than lower but as in the just the first the first role i wish i hadn't gone into management but that's that's just me
0: like a learning curve isn't it because i guess it's like you've got to decide what what do you want to do like do I want to progress my career or do I want to progress my side hustle? Because I think that's, it's like, it's it's such a dilemma because a lot of people, like when you, when you think like typical entrepreneur, if you think like Facebook and all these like big corporations now, it's like, you know, it's just, you know, you've got to hustle, quit your job, go, you do it. But it's just not the way, like you've got to sort your own house out first, like sort yourself out, make sure you've got enough money for bills, savings, all that good stuff. But there comes a point where, and we've had this conversation a lot, like we had this conversation quite a lot before like you know we dive in yeah and it like, what do we want to do like do we want to progress our career or is that going to take time away from you know the actual goal which is you know to be fi- like the goal for us is just to be financially free like I was saying to you earlier like it's not about having all of the money in the world it's just about being able to live how we are but just not working for anyone else essentially like that's the dream and, but the thing is like it's drilled into us isn't it you go to school and then you get a job and you try and be the best at that job or you go to uni and you know you want to progress that career but I think it's such an alien concept to anyone that's just edu- like just gone through the school system that's literally what we're programmed to do that's what all the you know early morning starts are it's like to conditioners for working life
1: I think about this so much honestly and it's like how much of my education did i actually use after i left uni I mean so i i changed my like career goals because you have to decide what you're gonna be when you're like 13 because that's just before you decide what you're going to do for GCSE and and um, and I had picked you have to do science, English, maths, whatever. But I'd picked languages. I'd picked catering. I, like I I don't understand why. And I I did pick philosophy and ethics, which probably like helps me move on the religion side, but maybe on the uh, more debate side. and then moved on to A level, and then I did all science. I did four A levels. I mean I shouldn't have done that. It was just part of me trying to stretch myself even more. I then went to uni, did human bioscience, and then what am I using now I'm doing social media and marketing like it's not it's completely different and nothing that I learned at university apart from like basic like physiology and nutrition for the kind of keto side of it but for my actual job what am I using from my university degree that I'm still paying off because I have 50 grand's worth of debt.
0: Oh, fun. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Yeah. But do you know what? I feel the same. Like, I I did like a complete and utter mixed bag at GCSE, like you say the standard. And then I did PE because I was just sport obsessed. I did like French media and... IT. I was like such a mixed bag, and when I finished GCSE, like I actually had like a mini celebration because I hated English so much. I don't know why. I'm just not like a language, but like I enjoyed French because it was, you know, awesome to learn how to speak another language. But just English and reading, I, I'm just not that. Like my mind doesn't work like that. Like I'm so much more logical and you know, mathsy, sciencey. So I did I did maths, physics, and PE at A level because I was like I need a bit of a DOS subject. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> basically just go in place put
1: the pressure off
0: (laughs) yeah go run about And I was really good because like, it went down from like four sessions of physical a week to like one or two, (laughs) it turned into more theory. I was like, hang on a minute. But yeah, I did systems engineering when I went to uni, which was basically like a way of thinking. So it was useful in a sense that, you know, a lot of the modules like aircraft design and electronics and things like that, I'm never going to use those. and I never learned them in enough detail to be able to use them. Like, but everything that I've learned for the career that I'm in within manufacturing now, like I've picked up through experience and from learning from people that haven't got degrees and have just you know they've learned it on the job from apprentice age so like I think the one thing uni is great for is like just independence and I know that you can get that you know you can just move out from your parents house but I feel like it's I don't know I I feel like it's slightly different and you do kind of get a lot more life experience and that's like I could be completely wrong there like you probably get the same amount of life experience
1: uh, I would say the same thing, but in terms of the cost that I've had to pay for that. I mean, obviously, like life skills are priceless. Whatever, you know. Yeah. There's other ways. Yeah. There's other ways. I could have. I, I could have got my job at M&S without a degree. I'm not being funny. Like. <laughs> I had it before my degree, I had it after so, and I could have just stayed there, I could have been pushed up the management ladder, would have been fine but quite frankly, like, they don't get paid enough for what they do at all, like, the amount of stress I can't, it sounds so stupid like, I'm complaining about, like, a job at a supermarket but the, the amount of, like, bureaucracy around it is actually disgusting because they're all struggling in a shrinking market and they'll never be Able to be top dog ever because they have a failing clothing brand, so that they're having to take a lot of the debt from that with the food side. Obviously, like this is all like factual rather than you know, yeah, for obviously, from what I felt it was, and I'm sure it's a, the same at a lot of supermarkets that it's so petty what you have to think about. And you know, as I said, I could have done that without my degree. and maybe I wouldn't have been as independent but I just I really like resent having to pay my student loan debt off And um, I know Grant Stephen uh, on YouTube I don't know if you've watched him so he does a series called Millennial Money and he never went to like college and he just went in, he got his real estate license and selling like really expensive homes in Los Angeles. So yeah, he he got his first million at 23, maybe. I I could be completely wrong, could be like 25, 28. But he breaks down like what people are spending and, you know, how to like almost think about your like output more. Because if you're spending like so much money on, and he literally says like avocado toast because I don't even know if it's just me, but I, I feel like I spend a lot, of money outside of my essentials. Like, Amazon is an issue. I know, like, all we've talked about, like, gym wear issue, <laughs> eating out issue. But when you like, add that all up, you're like, how did I spend my entire wage just on stuff that was
0: outside, like, yeah, after my essentials? And you're just like, well, like, I can't invest anything, I can't save anything. You know, like, it's only really in the last year that I've kind of got on top of money because I was. I got into debt, especially because I moved out from one house and moved into another, but there was like a period in between. And just to kind of like get that house, like I just, you know, went into debt. I remember coming out of uni with a student overdraft and even like two, two and a half years, I couldn't get out. Of, I just couldn't get out of the overdraft. Oh, look, yeah like, and I just, i'm still in mine like <laughs> but like i just got to a point where and this is jack as well like he just gave some really like frank financial education really set me up and it sounds really silly like just setting a budget but it wasn't even the setting the budget i think you have to go one further especially when like you've never properly managed money like i my money management was shocking so i got monzo and I have all my pots and you know since I've had those pots it's like right this is how much can go towards each thing in a month and then that's it once it's gone it's gone like if you eat out every day at Nando's for a week and all your, your money's gone then that's it you won't eat for the month <laughs> um or you, you know you've got to pull it from you know your clothes pot or this pot so that was like a really good way pots pots is really good and there's another book called rich dad poor dad and that was really really good I don't know if you've read that one but that was really good for like financial mindset and it's basically about a boy that had a poor dad which was his dad and his mentality and a rich dad who was his friend's dad who he kind of was kind of mentored by inspired by that kind of thing but it's really really interesting the different mindsets of like the two sets of my
1: point is trying to be is that if you can't budget properly you're never going to have the money to invest in yourself and invest in a business thing is like loans are only available for so long and for so many criteria especially like the startup ones it is literally like for set things right so and you, you will eventually have to pay that back so if you can't invest in yourself you're probably not ready for starting a business 100%
0: 100% and like one of the best principles and again rich dad poor dad it is pay yourself first so when you go through like okay what are my like expenses each month and they're like essential expenses so like any rent food bills that kind of thing like they are the like the non-negotiables that have to be paid each month so you kind of have your budget okay what have I got left and then you figure out what other things you need and then you have the amount that you save but you should always go with that amount that you save so I've been on furlough so I've been getting 18% pay and I've forced myself to save the same amount as I was pre-furlough so I always pay that savings amount first and then you kind of go through the other pots that you've got so like I've sacrificed things like clothes and self-care budget and you know gift budget that kind of thing and I think that's really really important because if you can get into that mindset because like that's what we fund the business off like we haven't had any external input or anything like that it's all just been through our own money so we save some and then we invest some into the business and I think that's like a really really good habit to get into even if you're not starting a business just for saving set an amount that you want to save each month and make that one of your non-negotiables and always pay that first like put that into the other pot first get it out of the way don't touch it